We are in a series here these uh, spring and into the summer months from this little letter, but great, great message of 1 John that is about a life of truth and love, truth and love, and those are not mutually exclusive, right? The Bible tells us that our Savior was full of grace and truth, and he wants us as his followers to be people who are full of truth, but also filled and overflowing with his love. Timeless truth also means that there are timeless lies. There are timeless lies. Jesus said that Satan is a liar. When he speaks, he speaks a lie because he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. And so it only makes sense that if he is a supreme liar, one of the places that he wants to specialize in teaching deceptive lies is in the church itself. Among the people of the Lord to turn them away from the genuine life, the life that really only exists in Jesus Christ, to turn their hearts from Christ. And so you see here as we read this morning, this is where John is taking us to share with us about false Christianity and false Christ. False Christ. Now when I was in Bible college and then also in seminary, I had the opportunity to hear a number and number of speakers. The college and seminary that I attended It was chapel four days a week. So you take uh, six plus years of college, four chapels a week, plus the other times we heard a lot of teaching, a lot of speakers. And I think back on so many of them, how blessed I was as a new Christian to learn from them. And they were very, very unique, very different, all of them. Some of them so cultured, so refined, and some of them not so much. (laughs) but always men filled with truth. And one of the most uh, unusual men I ever heard, uh, as far as I know, I only heard him in person one time, but his message made an indelible uh, mark on me. I heard him on television uh, after that on a number of occasions. But he was in his mid-70s when he came to speak, and his name was Dr. B.R. Lakin. B.R. Lakin. And he was born in an isolated area of West Virginia in 1901 and uh, was converted to faith in Christ at the age of 16 and baptized in the Hurricane River, okay? Now, if you say hurricane in that area, they'll know you're not from there, okay? Hurricane Creek. His mother was a very humble woman, very devout believer, very humble. She prayed for a son, and she prayed for a son who would become a preacher of God's word. And she was delighted, rejoiced when her son came to faith, and then he was baptized. And how she was so grateful when very soon he started telling others about his faith. And 
clearly he had a gifting for teaching the word of God. And so before long, uh, this young man had a circuit of, of churches and preaching stations, chapels, where he would go to preach through the week and he would get there by riding a mule. B.R. Lakin. And uh, God greatly used him in those, uh, those hollers of West Virginia. He felt the need for some more education, so he heard about Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. So this backwoods boy made his way to that great city and dove into that great institution and began to learn. But as happens with a lot of young theologians, uh, maybe getting this a little bit too big for his britches, as my mom might say. So he came back home after first semester, thought he'd try out some of his education on his mother. Now, his mother was a very, very devout Baptist. And one day she was in the cabin working over the wood stove, preparing the, uh, the dinner meal. And he said, Mama... What if Jesus came back and told you he wasn't a Baptist? And without even looking up from her frying pan, she said, well, I'd know it wasn't him. (laughs) Now, I want you to know Jesus was not a Baptist, okay? That's not the point. He was baptized by a Baptist, come to think of it, but he was not a Baptist. But a good question. How would you know the real Jesus? How would you know the real Jesus? And some of you might be, well, it's, you know, it's simple. You know, he's got that halo around his head. I've seen pictures of him. You'd know that's him. You know, you know, no. How would you know the real Jesus? Always interests me around Christmas time. Uh, Easter time, there's these magazines that come out in search of the historical Jesus. In search of the historical Jesus. And they're going to help you locate him. Well, my friends, it is hugely important that our faith is in the historical Jesus. Because, yes, he's a historical figure. But he's not history because he's alive forevermore. He's real. And the central issue of everything it means to be a Christian, the central focus of everything is Christ. And that's the reason there's nothing that Satan attacks like Christ. Christ. And so since John's day, To this very day, false teachers, false gospel, false Christ. That's the focus. False teachers that teach a false gospel that holds forth a false Christ. So it's ever important for us as it was in in John's day, ever important for us in our day that we make sure that we know how to overcome the Antichrist. Overcome the Antichrist. John says, they were there in his day, and they are here in our day. And how do we deal with the Antichrist? Well, let's listen to John as he's writing by the 
Holy Spirit's inspiration these timeless truths? First of all, the reality of Antichrist. The reality of Antichrist. These are not make-believe. They're not fictitious. They are real men and women. Verse 18, he says, little children, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, a couple of things to notice here. Two phrases, the last hour and Antichrist. Last hour and Antichrist. Now, let's look at this phrase, the, the last hour. The Bible, if you really take the Bible calendar, if you want to think of the Bible calendar, the Bible calendar has two seasons in it. Two seasons. It is the present age and the age to come. That's the two seasons in Bible timekeeping. Present age and the age to come after this age of man. Now, the present age in the New Testament is referred to many times as the last days. The last days. The last days are bookend by two events. There was an event that began the last days, and there's an event that will bring the end of the last days. The last days began with the first coming of Jesus Christ. His coming to earth began the last days. And the last days will come to a conclusion when Jesus comes again. Between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus is what the Bible calls the last days. And that's where you and I are living our life. We are living in the last days. Now notice John says, not just last days, he says this is the last hour. Children, this is the last hour. Now, he said that over 1930 years ago. That's been a long hour. That's been a long hour. So how can, it, how can he say it's the, the last hour? Maybe some would say just like a commentator I read this week said, well, John was mistaken. He was just mistaken. No, he's not mistaken. What, how do we understand this? He's saying this is the last hour because no one knows the hour when the Lord is returning, right? No one knows the day or the hour. So for us as believers, in reality, every hour for us is the last hour. It's the last hour. We live in the last hour, expecting Christ, looking for Christ. But notice, he says, you can know we are living in these last days, in the last hour, before Christ, because all around us are what? Verse number 18, Antichrist. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and so now many Antichrist have come. Now, the word Antichrist is only used by John. None of the other Bible writers use the word Antichrist. He's the only one. Paul, 
talks about, and John talks about, the Antichrist. Do you notice? Singular, plural. Verse number 18, you have heard that Antichrist is coming. There is a person called the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Paul refers to him as the man of sin. Completely given over to sin. John, later on in the book of the Revelation, as he has this great unveiling of the last days, he refers to the Antichrist as the beast. He sees a beast coming out of the waves of the ocean. The waves of the ocean referring to the wave of unrest of humanity. Waves of unrest. And out of this unrest comes one seeming to be a man of peace. But he is a man empowered by Satan. Incredible leader. Incredible power. And he will come on this earth in the final days that we know as the great tribulation. The great trial which will come on this earth as the one which there has been nothing like it before, Jesus said. When warfare and hatred, bloodshed will cover the earth, and yet at the same time, a man who seemingly is bringing peace out of this chaos, and yet he's a man possessed by the devil himself and desiring what the devil has always desired, to be worshipped as God. He is the Antichrist, but he is not the Christ. And he's going to come face to face with the Christ at the great war of Armageddon. And he will be cast by the Christ into the bottomless pit along with a Satan to suffer forever and ever. The Bible says that Christ will overcome him with flaming fire and destruction. That's the Antichrist. But now notice, John is saying in the very church at this time, there are Antichrists, plural. This means false teachers, deceivers. Jesus said they would come. What is Antichrist? Antichrist means against Christ or in the place of Christ. There's someone coming, they're teachers who will not uphold the true Christ. They'll actually be opposed to the true Christ, but they'll try to make themselves like Christ. Everybody has to have them. Everybody needs them. And Jesus said they were coming. Matthew 24, Jesus said, false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are not evidence necessarily of someone being of God. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now, it's not possible, but even the elect of God, his chosen ones, if it were not for his sustaining sovereign grace, would be led astray to follow after these false Christs. That's how manipulative and convincing they are. He said, see, I've told you beforehand. Paul warned about these false Christs to this very church at Ephesus to whom John is writing. Two decades earlier, Paul had said, these false Christs are coming. In chapter 20 of Acts, verse 29, 
Paul called together the pastors. He called together the pastors of Ephesus and Asia Minor. And he said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you right into the middle of the church, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, not just from without, but from within, will arise men speaking twisted things, twisted teaching. And their goal is to draw away disciples after themselves. These are the false Christ, the false teachers. 20 years earlier, Paul had written about them. Now here's John writing about them, and they have come, and they're in the church to which John is writing. They're in the church which he himself pastored. They're present in John's generation. They're present in every generation. The church, listen to me carefully. They are at work today. Today. There are many. And so the question is, if there are many antichrists, then how do we identify these antichrists? How do we keep from being deceived? How do we keep from coming under the the false influence of of these Satan-empowered deceivers? Well, that's the reason John wrote. And he says, here's how you'll recognize them. The recognition of antichrists. How do you recognize these false teachers? He says three characteristics. Three characteristics that John gives of false teachers. Let me give them to you quickly, then we'll come back and open up about them. Number one, he says, you will know them by their membership. Secondly, you will know them by their message. And thirdly, you will know them by their morals. Let me say that again. You will know them by their membership. You will know them by their message. And you will know them by their morals. So how do you know Antichrist? First of all, John says, look at verse 19. You will know them by their membership. They depart from the Lord's church. They depart from the Lord's church. Verse 19. They went out from us. But they were not of us. They really didn't share our communion in Christ. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain. That is, it might be revealed that they all are not of us. Now, be clear. Let's not mistake what John is saying here. People have made wrong applications of this verse, taking it out of context. This is not talking about people who stop attending church. That's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about people who used to attend your church, but now they go to another church. He's not talking about people who go to another congregation. And I've actually heard pastors and some church leaders so wickedly, I would say, use this passage to say that anybody who leaves our fellowship and goes to another fellowship, well, that's what John said. They were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have stayed with us. But they went out from us because it might be manifest that they were not of us. That is not what John is talking about. He's talking about Those who abandon the fellowship of the faithful. They abandon the fellowship of the faithful because they want to divide the flock. They don't want to go out by themselves. They want to take others with them. 
Uh, They're not happy just to leave quietly and go their way. No, they want to cause division. They want to harm the church. They want people to follow them, do what they do. This kind of spirit is not the spirit of Jesus. He never wants his flock divided. Jesus is is a shepherd who brings his flock together. Not dividing the flock. These antichrists are not just people who've been led by the Spirit to go to another church. These are apostates. They are deniers of the faith. They don't want to stay where the Word of God is being taught. They want to take others with them into rebellion. And they want people under their authority following them. That's what these are. So how do you know Antichrist? They're they're not people of unity. They are are people who depart from the Lord's church and they divide the Lord's church. The word heretic, listen carefully, means a divisive person. Do you know that? A heretic is known by someone who divides the flock. Secondly, John says you will know them not only by their membership, they depart from the Lord's church, but also by their message, they deny the Lord's Christ. They deny the Lord's Christ. Specifically, they deny who Jesus is. Look at verse 22. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Now notice that key word is, is. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist. Now why is this so important? Do you remember what the Gnostics taught? Come back. What did they teach? They taught that the divine spirit called Christ, the Christos, the divine spirit of the Christos came upon the humble carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus. So that the man from Nazareth, Jesus, was a man indwelt by the spirit of the Christ. They denied that he was the Christ, that in his nature he was of God, that he was from God, that he was equal with God, that he was a divine being. They denied that, saying he's just a human container with the divine spirit of Christ in him. That's what they were teaching. Oh, Jesus, yeah, he's a good teacher. Wow, no one ever taught like him. How better the world would be if people would follow the teachings of Jesus. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people just would follow the Sermon on the Mount? All that that they're fine with. But, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, equal with God, human and divine? No. That is what these people were teaching. John battled them all of his ministry, especially late into life. You would think, this poor man, (laughs) retirement, (laughs) not for him. He was fighting the good fight all the way to the end. Praise God, right? 
Look at 2 John. Look over a few pages in your Bible to 2 John, the next letter that John wrote, as far as we know. He's still fighting these guys. 2 John, verse 7. 2 John, verse 7. For many deceivers, not a few, many deceivers have gone out into the world. They went out from us, remember? Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. That Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man at the same time. He's not God in man and he's just not man having God inside of him. He is God and man, both. Anybody who denies this, he says, is a deceiver and he is of the Antichrist. You see, this battle was relentless for John. Generally, the Antichrist, listen for us, generally, it is an attack on the relationship between God the Son and God the Father. Do you see that? That's the real issue. What relationship do God the Father and God the Son have? Because this is the defining message of who is Christ. He and the Father are perfectly united in eternal union and they are perfectly equal. This is the reason John is so clear. You know why John is so clear on this? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus was so clear on it. What did Jesus say about his relationship to God? What did he say? I mean, after all, we want the historical Jesus, right? Well, here's what the historical Jesus said. John 5, verse 22. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Stop right there. You've heard it say. You've heard it said. God the Father is going to judge everybody. Everybody's going to stand before God someday. That's true. But guess what God that is? Jesus Christ. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ, who is God. Jesus said all judgment has been given to the Son. This idea that you're going to stand before God and Jesus is going to be sitting on the right side, just kind of listening in to what God says, that's not true. You want to stand before Jesus. Who is the judge of all the earth? Jesus Christ. He says he's given all judgment to the Son that all men may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You cannot honor God and talk about God unless you give the same honor to his son, Jesus Christ, who is God. One day, several years ago, a very active man in our congregation, very active member, came to see me. He had some information he wanted me to read about a men's group which he belonged to. And he encouraged me to read the material. I said I would. So I read it. He told me how wonderful, how biblical the group was. I read the material, and he made another appointment to come back and see me. 
And he said, what's your thoughts, Pastor Sam? I said, it's not Christian. Oh, immediately. He said, what do you mean? Some of the finest men I know are in that organization. My pastor brought me into that organization. Some of the finest Christians you'll ever meet. I said, I did not say that. You, listen, I did not say that. I'm sure there are fine Christian men in your organization. But I said, the organization is not Christian. And he said, how can you say that? I said, you gave me the literature. I read the literature. And yes, it's about serving God and it's about serving others, but there's a name left out. The name of Jesus is left out. He is no place in this literature. This is not Christian. And I said, listen, brother, hear what Jesus said. And you know what I read to him? I read to him what I'll read to you again. Here's what Jesus said. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all men may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the God, who, the Father who sent him. It's not the same God. It's not the same God. The different religions of the world do not worship the same God. There is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who is God and man. That's the only God there is. Any organization that's truly Christian is going to lift up Christ. Any church that's truly Christian, you won't leave saying, wow, he said some nice stuff. I think you're not going to leave saying, well, wasn't that good? We just heard about God. Sure, you're going to come to church and hear about God. But what God are we talking about? We're not singing to the same God that's being sung to by all the religions of the world. There's only one true God. His name is God, Jehovah, His Son, Jesus Christ, the Spirit eternal, three in one. This is God. This is God. Any teacher that's truly Christian is going to point you to Christ. You won't have to wonder if this man's book is about Christ. It doesn't matter what topic he or she is talking about. They're going to be a beeline to Christ. You, you won't be able to listen to him or her and not know it's about Christ. Because a true follower of Christ wants the focus to be one place on the true Christ, their Savior, their King. Every messenger who is a true messenger of God has one message above all. And that message is the glory of the Son of God and the glory of the grace of God and the gospel of God in the Son. I love that old hymn. Ever since by faith 
I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And friend, guess what? It won't stop then. You may look down at my silent corpse someday, but I want you to tell you, in heaven, I'll be singing the praises of Jesus still. And you will forever and ever. There's a name above every name, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, listen. Be wise. Read the books that are on your shelf. Where's Jesus in those books? Be careful about the downloading, the, most, the latest and the greatest Maybe they are wonderful, but where's Jesus? A messenger of God is going to take you to the Son of God. Every time. He may talk about marriage, but he's going to take you to Christ who can give you that marriage. He may talk to you about finances, but he's going to talk to you about what Jesus said about finances. He may talk to you about decision-making. But your decision-making is going to be following Jesus Christ. He, he, he or she will just become boring. Because it's just like the same message. It's a beeline to Jesus Christ. In whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know them by their membership. They depart from the Lord's Christ. You know them by their message. They deny deny the Lord's Christ. They depart from the Lord's church. Thirdly, you'll know them by their morals. They disobey the Lord's commands. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, that is the real Christ is righteous, then you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. If Jesus is righteous and he gives us the new birth, then like produces like. Righteousness is brought into our lives and we begin to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And we're not all that we want to be or should be, but we're not all we used to be either. Praise God, right? They don't practice what they preach, these false teachers. Paul said they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him, Titus 1.16. Jesus said, this is awful, awful pronouncement of what the judge said. Judge Jesus says this, Matthew 7.22, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. How do you know antichrists, false teachers? You know them by their fruit. They are evidenced by greed. Money and the love of money. They're prophets for profit. They're known by pride. As you listen to them or you read after them, it's the focus is on them and the focus on self-promotion and self-focus. There's a worldliness about false teachers. They disgrace grace. What do I mean by that? They tell you that grace is permission to sin. 
Not to overcome it, not to die to sin and die to self and take up your cross and follow Christ, but how you can have the favor of God in all times, in all situations, how you can name it, you can claim it, you can get all that you want, and don't get so hung up about the do's and the don'ts of the Bible. My word, hasn't the Lord made us free in his grace? That's what you'll hear. These antichrists are convincing and they're so deceptive. How can we protect ourselves? How can we possibly protect ourselves? Humble people like us, how can we take on the antichrist? How, how can we keep from being sheep burgers for these voracious wolves? How do you keep from ending up an antichrist? refrigerator well you've got the resources you've got them already you say we you know wait wait a minute isn't there like a seminar (laughs) isn't there a book I got a couple of good books I recommend to you and I'd be glad to sign them for you too as well but (laughs) okay forget I said that but There's all kinds of wonderful books. But you've already got the resources that you need to do battle with the Antichrist. Really? Really. Notice a word that John uses. He uses it six times. Look at verse 24. Abide, abide, abide. Verse 27. Abide, abide. Verse 28. Abide. Where are we to abide? Where are we to remain? Where are we to latch on to so that we don't become those sheep burgers for the wolves? Number one, abide in the Scripture. You've got to have an awareness of Scripture. Verse 21, verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. You have the truth. The truth is the message of Christ. It's the message of the Word of God. And anything that is not of the truth is not error. Notice what he says in verse 21. It's not truth and error. It's truth and what? Lie. We have the truth. How do you know a counterfeit? How how am I possibly going to know a counterfeit message or messenger? you got to handle the real deal. Facebook will help you. Get your face in the book. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You get this book in your heart and you'll hear somebody and they may sound slick and maybe really powerful, but in your heart you're hearing lie, 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 lie. Because the truth, you've got the truth. You need an awareness of the truth. And then you abide in the truth. Verse 24, that is that the word of God is at home in you. You, just, you, you, you let the word of God dwell richly in you, as Paul says in Colossians. Let what you have heard from the beginning. You don't need new truth from these false teachers. You don't need new revelation. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you... If what you heard from the beginning, that is this message of Christ, abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. Hey friend, where are you going to meet the historical Jesus? You're going to meet him right here. 
You're going to meet him right here. Abiding in the scripture. Abiding in the spirit. Look at verse 20. You've got an anointing on you. Wait a minute, Sam. No, you've got an anointing on you. Verse 20. You have been, past tense, perfect tense. You have been and you still are anointed by the Holy One. And you have all knowledge. You all have knowledge. You don't need somebody else to give you special knowledge. Why? You have an anointing on you. Isn't that something in the Old Testament? The kings were anointed, the priests were anointed, and the prophets were anointed. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. But guess what? Everyone who believes in Jesus is anointed by the Spirit. When you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. That is the anointing of His presence. And He Himself becomes your teacher. He becomes your teacher, Jesus said, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. He will teach you. Who needs the super teachers, John is saying, when you have got the super teacher? Who can teach you the book better than the author? Who wrote the book? The Holy Spirit. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do, Pastor Sam. The Holy Spirit's in you. You've got a resident author in your heart. And the resident author of this book lives within you and he will teach you. Don't get leftovers from some Somebody else's, you let the Spirit of God reveal Christ to you and the treasures. Oh, what a blessing it is. The Holy Spirit is in every believer. Verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to to deceive you. What are they saying? They're saying, well, we're anointed. Nuh-uh, what does he say? The anointing that you have received from him abides in you. You are anointed. You have no need that anyone should teach you. It doesn't mean that we don't have teachers and we're not encouraged by teachers. But it means that you don't need these special teachers. You have the great teacher in your heart. He is the anointing. He teaches you about everything. You think the Lord doesn't want to teach you about your marriage and being a parent? You think the Lord doesn't want to teach you about how to be a good employee or employer? You think the Lord doesn't want to teach you about how to handle your money, how to be a neighbor? The Lord is concerned about all these things. And he will teach you. And the last resource is abide in the scriptures, abide in the spirit, and then abide in the Savior. Abide in the Savior, verse 28, and now little children, abide in him. Where did John hear that? From Jesus. What did Jesus say? I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stick to me. When he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame at his coming. I came across this quote this week. Let me share it with you in closing. William Barclay said this. Listen carefully. By far, 
the best way to be ready for the coming of Christ is to be with him every day. That's great. That could only be better if I had said it myself. (laughs) By far, the best way to be ready for the coming of Christ is to be with him every day. You see, you know what Christianity is? Christianity is Christ. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means to follow Christ. It means he's real. He's got stuff he's doing. And he wants you to share it with him. And every day, you put your feet on the floor. It's another adventure to follow Jesus. What a way to live. See, it's Christ alone. Christ alone. Alone. 